Chapter number 37 of A Red Wolf Flower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shashank Jakmola. A Red Wolf Flower by Susan Warner. A Stand. Mrs. Dallas was very deeply disturbed. She saw in these strange views of Pitt's all sort of possible dangers to what she had hoped would be his future career in life. Even granting that they were a youthful folly and would pass away, how soon would they pass away? And in the meantime, what chances Pitt might lose, what time might be wasted, what fatal damage his prospects might suffer, and Pitt held a thing so fast when he had once taken it up. Almost her only hope lay in Betty's influence. Betty herself was disturbed much more than she cared to have known. If this fascination got hold of Pitt, she knew very well he would, for the time at least, be open to no other. Her ordinary power would be gone. He would see in her nothing but a talking machine with whom he could discuss things. It was not speculation merely that busied his thoughts now. She could see, not mere philosophy or study of human nature. Pitt was carrying all these Bible words in upon himself, comparing them with himself, and working away at disparency. Something that he called conscience was engaged and restless. Betty saw that there was but one thing left for her to do. Diversion was not possible. She could not hope to turn Pitt aside from his quest after truth. She must seem to take part in it, and so gain her advantage from what threatened to be her discomfiture. The result of all which was that after this there came to be a great deal of talk between the two upon Bible subjects intermingled with not a little reading aloud from the Bible itself. This was at Betty's instance rather than Pitt's. When she could, she got him out for a walk or a drive. In the house, and truly often out of the house too, she threw herself with great apparent interest into the study of the questions that had been started, along with others collateral, and desired to learn and desired to discuss all that could be known about them. So there were, as I said, continual Bible readings, mingled occasionally with references to some old commentary, and Betty and Pet sat very near together, looking over the same page, and remained long in talk, looking eagerly into one another's eyes. Mrs. Dallas was not satisfied. She came upon Betty one day in the veranda, just after Pitt had left her. The young lady was sitting with her hand between the leaves of a Bible, and a disturbed, faraway look in her eyes, which might have been the questioning of a troubled conscience, or of a very different feeling. She roused up as Mrs. Dallas came to her, and put on a somewhat wan smile. Where is Pitt? Going to write somewhere, I believe. What have you got there? The Bible again? I don't believe in all this Bible reading. Can't you get him off it? It's the only thing to do now. But cannot you get him off it? Not immediately. Mr. Dallas takes a fancy hard. So unlike him, the mother went on. So unlike all he used to be. He always took things hard, as you say, but then it used to be science and study of history, and collecting of natural curiosities and drawing. Have you seen any of Pitt's drawings? He has a genius for that. Indeed, I think he has genius for everything. Mrs. Dallas said with a sigh. 
and he used to be keen for distinguishing himself, and he did distinguish himself everywhere, always, here at school and at college, and then at Oxford. My dear, he distinguished himself at Oxford. He was always a good boy, but not in the least foolish or superstitious or the least inclined to be fanatical. And now, as far as I can make out, he's for giving up everything. He does nothing by halves. No, but it is very hard. Now when he's just reading law and getting ready to take his place in the world, and he would take no mean place in the world. Betty, it is hard. Why, he talks as if he would throw everything up. I never would have thought it of Pitt, of all people. It is due, I am convinced, to the influence of those dissenting friends of his. Who are they? Miss Betty asked curiously. You have heard the name, said Mrs. Dallas, lowering her voice, though Pitt was not within hearing. They used to live here. It was a colonel Gainsboro, English, but of a dissenting persuasion. That kind of thing seemed to be infectious. He must have been a remarkable man if his influence could begin so early and last so long. Well, it was not just that only. There was a daughter and a love affair, asked Miss Betty with a slight laugh which covered a sudden down-sinking of her heart. Oh, dear, no! She was a child. There was no thought of such a thing. But Pitt was fond of her and used to go roaming about the fields with her after flowers. My son is a botanist. I don't know if you have found it out. And those were the people he went to New York to seek. Yes, and could not find. Most happily. Miss Betty mused. Certainly Pitt was persistent. And now he had got this religious idea in his head. Would there be any managing it, or him? It did not frighten Miss Betty, so far as the religious idea itself was concerned. She reflected sagely that a man might be worse things than philanthropic or even than pious. She had seen wives made unhappy by neglect, and others made miserable by the dissipated habits or the ungoverned tempers of their husbands. A man need not be unendurable because he was true and thoughtful and conscientious or even devout. She could bear that quite easily. The only thing was that in thoughts which possessed Pitt lately he had passed out of her influence beyond her reach. All she could do was to follow him into this new and very unwanted sphere and seem to be as earnest as he was. He met her, he reasoned with her, he read to her, but Betty did not feel sure that she got any nearer to him nevertheless. She was shrewd enough to divine the reason. Mr. Pitt, she said frankly to him one day, when the talk had been eager in the same line it had taken that first day on the veranda, and both parties had held the same respective positions with regard to each other. Mr. Pitt, are you fighting me or yourself? He paused and looked at her and half laughed. You are right, said he, and then he went off, and for the present that was all Miss Betty gained by her motion. Nobody saw much of Pitt during the rest of the day. The next morning, after breakfast, he came out to the two ladies, where as usual they were sitting at work. It was another September day of sultry heat, yet the veranda was also in the morning a pleasant place, sweet with honeysuckle fragrance still lingering, and traversed by a faint intermittent breeze.
Both ladies raised their heads to look at the young man as he came towards them, and then, struck by something in his face, could not take their eyes away. He came straight to his mother, and stood there in front of her, looking down and meeting her looks. Miss Freire could not see how, but evidently it troubled Miss Dallas. "'What is it now, Pitt?' she asked. "'I have come to tell you, mother, I have come to tell you that I have given up fighting.' fighting yes the battle is won and i have lost and gained i have given up fighting mother and i am christ's free man what exclaimed mrs dallas bewilderedly it is true mother i am christ's servant the things are the same how should i not be the servant the bond servant of him who has made a free man of me his tone was not excited it was quiet and sweet but Mrs. Dallas was excited. "'A free man? My boy, what are you saying? Were you not always free?' "'No, mother, I was in such bonds that I have been struggling for years to do what was right, what I knew was right, and was unable.' "'To do what was right? My boy, how you talk! You always did what was right.' "'I was never Christ's servant, mamma. "'What delusion is this?' cried mrs dallas my son what do you mean you were baptized you were confirmed you were everything that you ought to be you cannot be better than you have always been he smiled stooped down and kissed her troubled face i was never christ's servant before he repeated but i am his servant now at last all there is of me i wanted you to know at once and miss freire i wanted her to know it she asked me yesterday whom I was fighting, and I saw directly that I was fighting a one battle, that my reason and conscience were entirely vanquished, and that the only thing that held out was my will. I have given that up, and now I am the Lord's servant. You were his servant before. Never in any true sense. My dear, what difference? asked Mrs. Dallas helplessly. It was nominal merely and now now it is not nominal it is real i have come to know and love my master i am his for life and death and now his commands seem the pleasantest thing in the world to me but you obeyed them always no mamma i did not i obeyed nothing in the last resort but my own supreme will but pitt you say you have come to know what time has there been for any such change not much time he replied and i cannot tell how it is but it seemed as if so soon as i had given up the struggle and yielded scales fell from my eyes i cannot tell you how it was but all at once i seemed to see the beauty of christ which i never saw before and mamma the sight has filled me with joy nothing now to my mind is more reasonable than his demands or more delightful than yielding obedience to him demands what demands said mrs dallas her son repeated the words with which the twelfth chapter of romans begins i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but my dear that means it means all how all there is nothing more left to give when this sacrifice is presented 
it covers the whole ground. The sacrifice is a living sacrifice, but it gives all to God as entirely as the offering that image did went up in smoke and flame. What sacrifice image did? The burnt sacrifice of old. That always means consecration. How do you know? You are not a clergyman. Pitt smiled again, less brightly. True, mother, but I have been studying all this for years, in the Bible and in the words of others who were clergymen, and now it is all plain before me. It became so as soon as I was willing to obey it. And what are you going to do? Do? I cannot say yet. I am a soldier, but just enlisted, and do not know where my orders will place me or what work they will give me. Only I have enlisted, and that is what I wanted you to know at once. Mother, it is a great honor to be a soldier of Christ. I should think, if I did not see you and hear your voice, I should certainly think I heard a Methodist talking. I suppose that is the way they do. Did you ever hear one talk, mother? No, and do not want to hear one, even if it were my own son. She answered angrily, but in all that I have been saying, if they say it too, the Methodists are right, mother. A redeemed sinner is one bought with a price, and thenceforth neither his spirit nor his body can be his own, and his happiness is not to be his own. Mrs. Dallas was violently moved, yet she had much self-command and habitual dignity of manner and would not break down now. More pitiful than tears was the haughty gesture of her head as she turned it aside to hide the quivering lips, and more tender than words was the air with which her son presently stooped and took her hand. Mother, he said gently and tenderly. Pet, I never would have believed this of you, she said with bitter emphasis. You never could have believed anything so good of me. What are you going to do? she repeated vehemently. What does all this amount to, or is it anything but dissenting rant? Anything but that, he answered gravely. Mother, do you remember the words? No man, when he hath lighted a lamp, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but putteth it on a stand, that they which enter in may see the light. Every Christian is such a lighted lamp, intended for some special place and use. My special use and place I do not know, but this I know plainly, that my work in the world, one way or another, must be the Lord's work, for that I live henceforth. You will go into the church, cried his mother, not necessarily. You will give up reading law. No, I think not. At present it seems to me I had better finish what I have begun, but if I do, mother, my law will be the only one of the means I have to work with for what that one end. And I suppose your money would be another. Undoubtedly. What has mother to do with teaching people? Miss Freire asked. It was the first word she had spoken. She spoke it seriously, not mockingly. The question brought his eyes around her. Do you ask that? said he. Every unreasoning, ignorant creature of humanity understands it. The love that would win them for heaven would also help them on earth, and if they do not see the one thing, they do not believe in the other. Then, but what do you propose? It is simple enough, he said. It is too simple for Betty and me, said his mother. I would be obliged to you, Bet, to answer her. 
the young man's countenance changed a shadow fell over it which raised miss frere's sympathy he went into the house however for a bible and coming back with it sat down and read quietly and steadfastly the beautiful words in the isaiah to loose the bands of wickedness to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that ye break every yoke to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house when thou seest the naked that thou cover him and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh it would take a good deal of money certainly said mrs Brady. to do all that indeed i hardly think all the fortunes in the world would be sufficient pitt made no answer he sat looking down at the page from which he had been reading nobody is required to do more than his part of the work said mrs dallas if pitt will be contented with that what is my part of it mother why your share what you can do properly and comfortably without any fanaticism of sacrifice must i not do all i can no not all you can you could spend your whole fortune in it i was thinking easily observed miss freddy what is the bible rule when thou seest the naked that thou cover him that ye break every yoke and he that hath two coats let him impart to him that hath none and he that hath meat let him do likewise you can find scripture to quote for everything said mrs dallas rising in anger that is the way methodists and fanatics always do as i have heard but i can tell you one thing pet which you may not have taken into account if you persist in this foolishness your father i know will take care that the fortune you have to throw away shall not be large with these words she swept into the house the two left behind were for some moment very still pitt had drooped his head a little and rested his brow in his hand miss betty watched him her dismay and dislike of pitt's disclosures were scarcely less than his mother's but different disappointed pride was not here in question that he should give up a splendid and opulent carrier did not much trouble her in the first place he might modify his present views in the second place if he did not if he lived up to his principles there was something in her which half recognized the beauty and dignity and truth of such a life but in either case alas alas how far was he drifted away out of her sphere beyond her reach for the present at least his mind was utterly taken up by this one great subject there was no room in it left for light things love skirmishes could not be carried on over the ground he now occupied he was wholly absorbed in his new decisions and experiences and likely to be engaged with the consequences of them betty was sorry for him just now for she saw that he felt pain and at the same time she admired him more than ever his face was more sweet she thought and yet more strong than she had ever seen it his manner to his mother was perfect so had not been her manner towards him he had been gentle steadfast and true manly and tender happy will be the woman that will share his life whatever it be thought betty with some constriction of heart but to bring herself into that favoured place she saw little chance now she longed to say a word of some sort that might sound like sympathy or intelligence but she could not find it and wisely 
held her peace. End of chapter 37